Check, check. Check, check. Good evening, everybody. This is the Left and Earl podcast on a beautiful June 1st, 2019. My name is Lefty Crawford, and over there I have Mr. Eli Herman. Say what's up. Left, what's up? Ah, man, you know, nothing, nothing. So with it being June 1st, that means it's been a couple of days since we had our last pod, and I apologize. We've had some traveling. Um, Hope you enjoyed your travels, Mr. Eli, and I was not in San Francisco. But now we're both home, getting settled, and something started on uh, Thursday night, and that was the NBA Finals. How do you feel about that? I mean, that there, yeah. And um, I'm now I'm curious. Like, how do you feel about NBA Finals starting? Are you happy? Are you anxious? Yeah. um, Based off what you saw, that's. That's a great question. I'm trying to think about how I want to answer that. Um, obviously, I have a huge vested interest being a Warrior fan. Um, this is this is what we wait for as big NBA fans every year. Um, you know, all the chips are pushed in the middle. Um, so it's exciting for sure. I'm just trying to think about, um, you know, as a Warrior fan, this is the fifth straight year. And I was telling Kyle actually earlier this evening that I don't get as nervous as I used to. Um, a, a couple years ago, I would just be on the edge of my seat, literally sitting on the edge of my couch, like for the entire game. And, um, you know, emotions were running high. I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. Um, maybe it's the security of having multiple titles. Maybe it's, just trusting that, you know, they know what they're new they're doing at this point since they're, they're, uh, you know, such a good team, but, um, it, it it's interesting, but yeah. um, nonetheless, it's, uh, I love that the finals are here. We're one game in with all that being said, the Warriors are down. Oh, <laughs> one. That's funny. You know, you talked about the, the lineup of championships that the Warriors have put up and, and be to the, the fifth straight finals. And then you talked about how you you weren't really nervous this postseason, or not as nervous as you as you have been in the past. Um, and uh, I mean the Warriors, they, comfort they were never really in trouble. You know the Clippers put up a good fight in the first series. Uh, the Rockets, we thought the Rockets had a chance to do something as far as make make it a series, um, especially with KD going down and. And the Warriors really started to put their, you know, their basketball excellence on show. And we've seen some of the best basketball in the history of the sport you know, this past month of May. Yeah. And that, you know, that, they're coming from both ends of the floor on defense, offense, uh, defensive players of the year, turning into just great utility players or uh, you know, Swiss Army Knives. And, uh, you know, KD, was, KD went on a, a hell of a, you, you know who I am. You know who I am, run. And then you know, when Katie went down, Steph started hitting every shot, yeah. no demand. So, I mean, as far as the playoffs and, and you're not being anxious, I, I thought it was some great basketball to watch. And the Warriors, with all that being said, everything we saw great from the Warriors, we saw some other teams really coming to their own this postseason. Um, and that's why we're here now with the Raptors. Raptors had a game seven in the second round. Uh, sick. They were down 0-2 in the first round, and now they've taken that uh, the momentum they had from the Bucks series, 
and just kept it going and put, you know, put off a little chain of five in a row wins here this late in the season, winning that last game on Thursday versus the Warriors, 118-109. What did you see in that game? Or I'm sorry, did you watch that game, this game, with the Warriors being down most of the whole game? Did you get a little anxious? Were you sitting at the end of your seat finally? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I didn't in game one. Um, it part of it was just the nature of how I watched it. So I had some of Kyle's buddies over and we were all watching it together. So I was watching from the kitchen quite a bit and just kind of moving around. I wasn't like locked in, locked in Eli playoffs. Um, and so it was a little bit different game in that regard, but, um, it was, uh, you know, back to what you were saying about the playoffs. If I could just say real quick, these playoffs, have been really good in the West and in the East. You know, everyone bitches about, oh, you know, Warriors had an easy road the last couple of years. And, you know, the East, it's just LeBron blows through everyone. It's just the Warriors and the Cavs every year. This has been a really, really good playoffs. And I think we need to, like, remind ourselves of that. Um, the West has been really good. Um, God, the second round between, you know, first round for the Warriors and the Clippers, and you had the Blazers and the, and Denver had a great series. Um, and then, obviously, the Warriors and, and Houston went toe-to-toe. And um, in the East, it's been really good. I mean, you know, the, the team – I mean, if you think about the Raptors taking out um, Philly and yeah. Milwaukee – and Milwaukee just disposing of Boston, who everyone thought, well, you know, Boston probably has a run in them. It's been really good. It's been really good. I think we need to like, I think we need to appreciate that because it hasn't been that good the last few years. No, you're right. You know, the past couple of years is definitely, it's it's been talking about, hey, let's get to the end of the season. The Warriors versus the Cavs rematch. Warriors versus the Cavs rematch. Or let's get back to the Rockets versus the Warriors rematch, you know, in the West. Um, you're right. There was some there were some series that could have gone either yeah. way. You take a you take a look at the seven game series between the Nuggets and the Blazers. Yep. Blazers been or the sorry, the Nuggets rather have been, you know, one or two seed the entire season. And me as a fan of uh, basketball and a lot of other NBA heads probably questioned if the Nuggets were any good. And it came down to it that they were. Weren't good enough, you know. We questioned whether you know, Murray and, and the Joker would be able to get it done. They they almost they're they're. I don't think they're even pieces away. Just more experience. Yeah, they have that. yeah. You know, they they win that easily. But then on the East, it was besides Toronto making work of everybody. All those series, Toronto could have lost, and everybody everybody would have been okay with the outcome. But instead, you know, Toronto lost in the first game versus Celtics. And then they went on a four-game run. I'm sorry, that's the Bucks. Who Toronto play the first round? Oh, they they lost to the Magic Orlando. the first yeah. game. They lost to the Magic the first yeah. game, and then you know quickly made uh, quickly made work of them. Uh, Toronto's good. They've been you know they ran into the same problem for three years in a row, four years in a row, and that was LeBron being in the East yeah. to where the point where they got their most popular player in history in Demar Derozan traded and Dwayne Casey off of a uh, number one seed and, you know, two trips to the Western Conference Finals fired after a couple of years. And for them to be where they are now, it, I mean, they've, they've been battle-tested and ready. 
they just been able to take that next step. And that extra step came when they got Kawhi Leonard. And now they have a coach that is a nerdy white guy who wears his own, like, murdered-out hat with his initials on it in press conferences. It's pretty sweet. I can't even respond yeah. to that. Yeah, I mean, what is there to say? Kyle, Kyle, <laughs> the other night, <laughs> we were watching the game, he goes, you know, Nick Nurse is a fucking nerd, but I kind of like him. He's kind of a cool nerd. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So, um, I didn't mean to digress. If you want to jump into a little bit of game one analysis. So, playoffs have been really good. Um, lots of buildup. I, I think what's interesting about this series is um, the, the Canada thing to me is kind of weird. And no one really talks about it. But do you ever do you ever think about, like, the fact that the Raptors – are a Canadian team, but they're not really because they're in the NBA and it's, you know, American players and a lot of American fan, the whole thing. But like they have all of Canada behind them and they have most of the U S behind them too, because everyone wants the Warriors to lose, but it's kind of a weird element to it. Everything I've heard about Toronto though, is it's an amazing city. You know, it's a hockey town for sure by nature, but um, they are, I mean, the buildup before game one, just watching, you know, how many people are coming out to watch the game that don't even have a ticket. I mean, it's pretty cool to see what's going on up there, but it, it, it still is a little bit strange that they're in Canada. Would you agree? Well, this is the first time in uh, NBA's history that the champion of the finals are not being played on U.S. soil. So, yeah. Being yeah. weird, it's never, it's never happened. Yeah. Um, and... Toronto, you know, like you said, Toronto's a hockey team. You know, Toronto's interested. It's a big, you know, 7 million people. It's a big town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're interested in whoever's winning. And you know, I think the Blue Jays being there, yeah. having two titles in the MLB, you know, we know about the Maple Leafs on, on the hockey side. They, they're good with their blue and white teams. <laughs> and, I mean, the Raptors are a friend. You know, their expansion team came out, came back, came to us in the mid-'90s. And... Whenever you have these expansion teams, that you wonder if they're going to get the following, especially in this one being in a different country, but them being the only NBA team in the whole country. When was that? Do you know off the top of your head? Remember when the Grizzlies, no. the Grizzlies and the Raptors, we were, God, we had to have been in high school, right? We were in high school, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to, I, I saw Damon, Damon Stoudemire sitting, sitting, in the stands they showed him in game one and i was like fuck 1995 i mean because he was on the blazers for a long time but he played for the raptors remember that no what about what about drake wearing the dale curry I know. raptors jersey yeah this whole drake thing we so let's table the drake let's talk about the drake conversation after after we dig into game one a little bit so let's get into game one um raptors took down the warriors in game one big win for them I would argue that game one was almost, I hate to say this because it's so cliche, but I almost feel like it was a must win for them. And here's why I feel like it was a must win is because they went into this finals um, trying to convince themselves that they can beat the Warriors. And, you know, I think Kawhi Leonard thinks they can beat the Warriors, but like, does the entire roster and the franchise think they can beat the Warriors? I think, they were kind of at that point where they were trying to convince themselves of that, even though they know they're close. Um, and so if they lose game one at home, 
the the goal for the Warriors is to split on the road and then take care of business at Oracle and really grab control of the series. So if the Warriors win game one, all of that doubt creeps in and they go, well, maybe, maybe we can't do this. And what also happens is in game two, the Warriors might go up 2-0 on your soil and go back to Oracle and you're just fucking done. So I felt like that game was a big game for them. Big game. And they took care of business. They led the whole way left. When's the last time you watched a game um, and the opponent against the Warriors did not give up some of those runs? The Warriors never went on that run. Um, I'm thinking, I, I want to say, I thought the Warriors might have went up by three, but, you know, it was short-lived. But I'm talking like, you know. Wire, yeah, it was a wire-to-wire wire win. Yeah, the, yeah, it was wire-to-wire wire. Wire wire win. Was, it was pretty much wire-to-wire. Wire. The Warriors did on that clay three that, like, yeah, the, the net didn't move. Remember that one? I love, I <laughs> yeah, love those yes. ones, by the way. Um, where the ball barely grazes the rim and just shoots straight down and the net doesn't move. I think they went Spar- up by one Spar- or two down. on that. Um, yeah, but they didn't have like a, a fifteen to one run. They didn't have any like bursts. I no, can't and remember I they, the last time they didn't do that. I think in the third quarter they only outscored Toronto by two points. You know, being down nine or seven yep. and a half. Yep. No, you're right. And the last time we've seen the Warriors get you know not necessarily boat race, but beat wire to wire in a game that of significant importance was a long time. You know, some of those when Cav couple of those cab wins uh two three years ago wow three years yeah ago. yeah so yeah, there we've were some seen blowouts in, the, in that series if i recall and there were there were yeah. uh but what was the, i mean so we know katie didn't play but there was the return of demarcus cousins yeah. uh, warriors sat out you know i'm saying sat out but they were off for nine days in yeah. between the last game with the blazers and uh, the first game of the nba finals do you think so? With that being said, mm-hmm. you know them being them not really winning any quarter, or really making a move on any quarter. Do you think that you know the time off had anything yeah, to do with it? That's a great question, and I'm glad you asked that question because I have an answer that I think is going to surprise you a little bit. Um, because I've thought about this, and it's the, it's the rest versus rust thing, and we all knew that coming into the game. And I think there's advantages for the Warriors um, being off for nine games because they're a little banged up. They're older. This is their fifth year in the finals, all of that. So there's an advantage to that. But then the, the flip side of the coin is you come out and you're sloppy in the first half, that sort of thing. They have a tendency to turn the ball over. Um, and what's interesting is they weren't really sloppy. And that's, that's what you would expect to see of a team that, is maybe rested, but, you know, rusty. And, you know, it maybe takes a half before they kind of get into their groove. They weren't sloppy, though. They, they, were, they were just – they were almost um, – one, one of the guys that I listened to locally here, they almost just looked like they were kind of sluggish, almost like it's the preseason and they're getting their legs underneath them. It was almost like that versus, like, you know, sloppy passes and, like, a little rusty. It was really interesting. Do you notice that? I, I did notice, which I, I noticed you're talking about. I might have felt it, was, um, it got sloppy, but like that spring, like a spring preseason game, or spring, spring, a summer preseason game, or late fall, early fall. But what I, this is a point actually I wanted to make, and you said this a little bit earlier, that 
game one was so important what was important for Toronto because they had to prove or show that yep. they belonged yep. and they could beat them. Yep. But then I want you to take a look at uh, three Toronto players who have been to the finals yep. this decade yep. in the past eight years. Uh, they got Sergi Baca, who you know, knows the Warriors, yep. has beat them and lost to them. Um, you got Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard, yep. who if you go back to right before the Warriors took the crown and, and hit the crest – it was meeting Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard on the Spurs in those Western Conference Finals or Western Conference Semis. No doubt. It's been a few years for them, though. Remember that since they've gotten past, like, the second round. So, Yeah, but, you know, to them, I'm pretty sure that they have, uh, you know, no short-term memory. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, we're just here to play basketball. You know, this one means a little more, yeah. but we can do this. Or I've been here, I've been here before. Yeah. So Go, well, the, lights, Gasol, the in, lights flash. Well, and in fairness, sorry to interrupt you. Marcus all mm-hmm. has a lot of playoff experience as well. So they do have playoff experience. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But you know, not saying it's about the playoff experience, but now we're at the finals experience yeah. and even yeah. final, you know, we got a finals, a couple of finals champs and yeah. you know, those, those OKC teams back when they had the original core, were as competitive as basketball got without, you know, picking up the, the trophy. Here's, um, here's one for you. So, um, you know, I, it, in the first half, I felt like the whistles were tight. Both teams were in the bonus. And I felt like there was a lot of grabbing and clutching with Steph specifically. And we're used to that. He, he, you know, gets roughed. That, that's, that's the book on him, right? You know, the Jordan rules, the, the Steph rules. Um, rough him up, play physical. They're not going to call everything. I thought there was quite a bit of that in the first half. I, I felt like Kawhi Leonard got a lot of, you know, uh, advantageous calls when they were in the bonus, and it helped him in that first half kind of get, get a little bit of a cushion. But Toronto, Toronto outplayed them and played really well, and they deserved to win that game. I mean, they played really well. Um, what I thought was interesting in this game, though, is um, the Warriors didn't play all that well, and they were sluggish. Um, and, and part of why they didn't play well, by the way, is because the Raptors played extremely well, especially defensively. They don't get enough credit for being a great defensive team. They have two-time Defensive Player of the Year, Kawhi Leonard, they have Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Gasol. They have Danny Green, who's an all-NBA all defender. Kyle Lowry's an all-NBA defender. And Pascal Siakam is a long, good defender. So they are a very, very good defensive team. And they're a team that gives – the type of team that gives the Warriors problems. So they beat the Warriors. But what I thought was interesting is, um, you know, being a Warrior fan um, – Steve Kerr kind of gives you a glimpse into the respect level. You know, he uses the term appropriate fear. Like, do my guys, do my guys fear the other team? Cause when they don't fear the other team, they kind of tend to mess around a little bit. Um, they had appropriate fear against Houston. Let me tell you, they played about <laughs> seven guys. So that told you that they respected Houston. They knew that Houston could beat them. Um, so they go into the finals, the finals, and they've lost to this team twice in the regular season. They're 0-2 in the regular season. And Jonas Jerebko and Quinn Cook got a lot of run. Those guys didn't sniff the Houston series. And he starts Jordan Bell, 
who that was that was shocking. Who is I'll, I'll dust, shocking. He's dust. He had to dust himself off because he's played so little, and so I thought that was very interesting. Well, you you mentioned that. That's it's a great point. Um, there's some people getting more play time, more playing time. I know you saw on the Blazers series. I think the entire team. I think they might have called somebody up <laughs> to get some playing time in that series. <laughs> don't, don't, it could have been overtime in the fourth game. It didn't matter. Everybody getting called up. But I want you to take a look. The reason why some of these guys are getting more playing time, Jordan Bell, Jarebko, and, and Cook, is because of the injuries and the Warriors yeah. uh, on the Warriors bench or just the lineup. They're like they're running out of dudes to play. Yeah. You know, Iggy got hurt again in the Toronto game. Yep. Uh, that that he went out in game three yep. of of the Blazers. Yep. And two games later, getting reaggravated in that cap. It's the heavy minutes, to your point. Of course, yep. because you need him, yep. especially with the with the fear of what Ka- Kawhi can do. You have to better put some great perimeter defenders on him. Um, Demarcus said Demarcus came back. This is game one. He's been out basically the whole playoffs. Yeah. I thought he looked pretty good actually. It looked like he hadn't played for a couple months, and that's unfortunate. You think? <laughs> I did. Well, well, it's it's the first game of the finals. It's his first. Yeah. It's, you know what it is? It's his, it might be his second or third playoff game period. Yeah. In his career. Yeah. Not just of of this like of in his career because he's never been to the playoffs before. Right. No, he played um, one game against the Clippers. So yeah, he's just. I think I just I think a lot of these guys I think the Warriors need a lot of minutes from Jarebko and, and Cook. Because they're running out of bodies, yeah. yeah. Well, and the more you the more you stretch those starters, to your point, like with Iguodala, they are always careful with his minutes because he's thirty five. He has a tendency to kind of get those soft tissue injuries, and um, to your point, he's starting to come up lame with his calf and some, you know, his knees because so he's all muscle. He's all, he's all muscle. He is. Way. He is. I know, and he's he's coming up lame because he's playing more minutes than he's used to. So that's why Steve Kerr's trying to find some, he's trying to buy some minutes is what he's doing. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so the big, you know, we mentioned the Toronto's defense and how they don't get enough credit, but it, is it time for Pascal Siakam to start getting some credit yeah. uh, over this past year of basketball for him? Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, you know, now that he's he's been blooming this postseason and this year, he's going to probably get, you know, the most improved player of the year. Uh, you know, all the stories are coming out about him. And he didn't start playing organized basketball yeah. until he was 16. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, so this is all raw, natural skill. Yeah, he's, it is. This is like nine years later. It is. And he's showing out. So, you know what this reminds me of? Um in the, in the end, talent wins. And this is a guy that didn't play basketball until a few years ago. And he was in Cameroon and he was like doing some random job. And I think it was, um, studying what, to be a priest. Yeah. Yeah. And Luke Mbamute found him right. And said, uh, you need to be playing hoops. And I mean, the guy was just born to play basketball. You just look at him, but a lot of these raw guys, they don't have the they don't have the intangibles, you know, the, the feel for the game and, you know, the experience and all this stuff. But that's the big turning point with him in the last 12 months or so. I was listening to the Raptors uh, play-by-play guy um, on their radio interviewed by um, our local show out here. And 
he said just in the last years, I mean, you know, they totally took a flyer on him and he came out of nowhere. And in the last year, you just, you saw things from him where you go, okay, he's got the length, he's got that raw athleticism, but he just did things that like showed you that he had a sense for the game and a good feel for the game. And, um, I mean, he's a really interesting player and, and what this reminds me of. So two things, um, he reminds me of Alden Smith, the former 49er when Alden Smith was a late bloomer and you know how much of a freak he was. Went to to Missouri. He went went to Missouri, but he was a late bloomer playing football. And he was, even though he was good at Missouri, when they draft, you probably remember when the Niners drafted him in the top 10, people were like, who's this guy? You know, they were all like, who's this? You know, they took a flyer on him and holy shit. You know, it's like, I mean, he was like a boa constrictor and just long and just, the epitome of, of athleticism. So, you know, raw athletic ability, you cannot teach. And you want to talk about that, like the top of the top with that, like, you know, Siakam and Alden Smith, these guys are just, you can't teach this stuff. And, you know, you're a parent, your kids are playing sports. You see all these parents that, you know, try to get little Johnny to like be the best he can. And, it just makes me chuckle because, you know, at the end of the day, I always think about like, you know, your kid kind of is who he is. You can help him get better. You can get him private coaches and all this stuff. But, you know, Clayton is never going to be fucking Pascal Siakam. Period. Period. Six, six, nine. Six, nine. <laughs> with a, with a seven, six, man. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, so that's my little rant. But my question for you is to lob it back over to you. Who do, who do you think who do you think he is? Like his ceiling. Like um, who, who can he turn into? Think, is he going to be a guy who yeah. maybe has a little splash and then plateaus, or do you think he can turn into just an absolutely dominant player, like turn into a, a Giannis? I would say I was thinking. I was thinking right then. I was thinking Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Another one of those, you know, physically gifted people who have the basketball IQ and the want to. And I don't know that you know Pascal start um, talking talking shit to people out there on the court, uh, but I can see him with his with his physical attributes, with his uh, grit, and determination to get to the basket and get off some of these shots. I mean, yeah, yeah. somebody who, as fuck. Somebody just go get me a point. Go get me a bucket. I don't know if I don't know if he has that mid range jumper, but I think he can go get you a bucket. Well, here's so here's one for you. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but we're gonna get ahead of ourselves because we're on a podcast. He wins the, the finals. The, the Raptors. He tears the finals up, and Raptors win the championship, and he's the finals MVP. It could happen. He, he's he's the he's the uh, odds-on favorite at this point after game one, sure. so it could happen. It's not that far-fetched. And honestly, watching him, he feels like he's at about fifty percent of who he can be. Like he has that kind of ceiling. He just learned no, how to I... shoot, like in the last twelve months. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And he was banging. He was banging in perimeter shots against the Warriors. Trim, no, I mean, like, fuck! I gotta, I gotta watch this, watch this guy a little bit closer. 
here's the thing about Toronto, about the Raptors. Like they had their second round games being played on NBA TV. Yeah. We don't we don't get to see <laughs> second round. Yeah, you know, the teams in the finals and their games were being played on NBA. NBA TV. TV. We don't get. It's not. It's owned by Turner. I know, it's, but it's, it's it feels budget though, doesn't it? It kind of feels like Reebok, a little bit. Right. It's tough. It's tough, man. It's tough. <laughs> or is it like Kawhi New Balance? Uh, you hear about did that I billboard? see a Kawhi billboard? I saw the billboard. Did you get it? They got that got billboard Dude, for you. Fucking Toronto just throwing slander out there, huh? So, um, <laughs> Danny Green. Danny fucking Green. We've talked about Danny Green quite a bit in our text, in our text messaging. Um, yeah. He, he may, he, makes basketball look hard he really does but he's a champion he's always been a reliable defender and he hits threes at the fucking worst times for opponents and he's shown that over his career and he hit some fucking big shots in game one it's great for him he always gets those like you said they're open, opportune times open. for the opponent because he has played so inconsistently bad that the opponent's like go ahead shoot it Oh, but he can drill. When he fucking runs, it's like he just learned how to run. He's bow-legged, man. Oh you don't judge bow-legged people. Oh. You know any bow-legged people? He is really bow-legged. You're right. Yeah. No, he looks like a cowboy. He does. No, but you're – and you're right. They leave him wide open. Wide open. Like there's nobody around. Can you imagine if Steph Curry fucking had those type of shots? Yeah, yeah. We've seen it. Well, he gets them. Yeah. He gets them off those screens. So, uh, digress a little bit, but this is good because this is all off the cuff. Um, have you – we talk about Steph a lot, you and I, and I know that, you know, I know that you like watching him play and you like him ultimately, but – you don't like to come off that way because you like to give me shit essentially. And you got like to be a contrarian, but I know you watch him closely when he's playing. Can you believe, can you believe, I mean, really the attention that he commands and how little, how little airspace he gets. I can. Um, I I think it gets a lot of airspace ultimately because the attention he commands. Yes. I can believe it, uh, watching him all these years and going back to your original statement, your opening statement, <laughs> your opening argument to this, this point. Do I watch him? Yes. Do I like him? Yeah. Meh. Is there, do I have a problem with him? No. Meh. <laughs> Meh. Oh my God. My kid, my kid has, my kid has a Steph Curry jersey. You've got the poster up on the wall in, the, in his room. Okay. Do I like him? Meh. Do I, do I think he's good? Yeah, I think he's good. He get, I think he gets a lot of space. and You think you know, he gets a lot of space? I think he gets a lot of space. Wow. And that's why, he start, that's why he shoots these shots he does so he can get that space. That's why he backed up to 30. That's why he's shooting 33 shots in transition. I mean, 33 foot shots He doesn't really pull transition. up and shoot the bombs anymore, though, like Lillard. You notice that? He doesn't do it anymore. Lillard does. And Lillard Lillard, should. Yeah, Lillard's in fact. <laughs> Because he falls in love with it, and then he doesn't. 
the the you know a lot of the analysis about you know the the Steph run he had ever since the second KD went down was all right. Well, he's put up this incredible run of averaging 30, you know thirty five plus points over that six game uh, span. He doesn't stop moving, and it's his ability to move without the ball or his craziness yeah. to Relo- move the ball. relocating. But he no, but he does like it's not just relocate. It's like I'm just going to run around the court yeah. without the ball. And you Clay. Have to Clay does the same thing. Clay Clay is more of a relocator. Clay, if he you know he's here right here, he's here one moment, he moves to another spot. That's where the shot's coming up. You watch Steph, and he's just running. He's doing figure eights in between the posts. You know, going back uh, around the baseline, back to back, and he'll do that the whole possession. But the Warriors know this play set up for him. And so they know they just have to pass the ball and he's going to be there at the right spot. And so some of these, you see him get a lot of space, but to he what never you were trying to say. Like on those shots, like teams are throwing multiple bodies at him. He rarely shoots an open shot. I disagree. Really? But, you know, we can go. Yeah, I do. I know what you're talking wow. about, but I just Watch the next game. Oh, no, no. I think we're also in the finals, and you just talked about a good defensive team. They're not going to let him get the open shot is because right now he's the only person. He's 1.5 people on the Warriors who can get their own shot, so they're going to make sure that he can't get the open shot. He, he, the NBA created a new term that is, like, incredibly impactful to the entire game, like, all because of him. Like, well, gravity. Floor gravity. Yeah. And, like – if you watch, they like there's two or three guys on him at all times, all times. Yeah, because he is going to go down as the greatest shooter in history. I know. Well, but even when he relocates and he's running off all these screens and everything, they still like he still rarely has like, you know, time to seam it up. Like every now and then he does, but it's rare. And I just I marvel at it because. People don't talk about how good a shape he's in. Same with Clay. They run around the whole damn game. And one of the, one of the things that I think the Warriors need to do in this series, getting back to this, um, the finals, is <clears throat> I think they need to play Andrew Bogut a little bit and also play DeMarcus Cousins a little bit more. I thought Cousins looked fine, and he's still a problem for backups because he's, you know, one of the – top two or three most talented big men in the game. So even if he's not in good shape, he's not an athletic guy to begin with. So even if he's lumbering, he's not in great shape, he can still lean on you and grab rebounds and, and, and score. And so I think they need to play him in that regard against backups, but I think they need to set a bunch of screens and let Clay and Steph just run around because Danny Green and Kawhi, Kawhi is not moving well, number one, and Danny Green and Kawhi, um, they're good on ball defenders. That's what they're known for, but they get hung up on screens. And so I think Andrew Bogut is just a bone crusher screen setter. And I, think they need to run a lot of pick and roll action. I think they're not a lot of pin downs and floppies and the split action, all of that stuff. And just make Kawhi Leonard just run, run, run because he's not moving well. He's effective still, but he's not moving well. And I think that's one of the adjustments that I think, you know, the Warriors should do. You want some 2014-15 Warriors basketball. Well, that's where they're at now. I mean, that's who they are, you know. They got to play team ball. 
So you, I mean, pass but it's almost it's almost back to, to traditional basketball. Pass it to KD, and everyone stands around and watches. No, but it's almost back to traditional basketball. I mean, you just talked about two um, pivotal bigs, two important bigs for the Warriors getting yeah. more minutes. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think you would have thought this two months ago when Bogut got on the team, back yeah. on the team, yeah. would you have said, I, I need him to play more minutes in the finals versus yeah. the Raptors? Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So let me uh, let's let's take it here as we kind of wrap things up. <clears throat> game two is tomorrow. Huge game, huge game. Um, you know the Raptors can't afford to let the Warriors split at home. They've got momentum. They want to go up 2-0. Warriors set out to split on the road, and they want to go back to Oracle and take care of business and grab this this series by the throat. So. How do you see game two going? And then based on how you see game two going, how do you see the series playing out? Well, I mentioned this on our emergency pod after the first game. An emergency pod for all you listeners, that'll come out there when you subscribe and message me. But I think it's the, I think it's the Warriors in five, okay? Damn, man. I was, I was glad to see Toronto get one off. You sound, Are they going to get any more? You sound like a Warriors homer. That statement is supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh. Um, but you know how I respond to these things. <laughs> I know. I know. That was the no, that was the no expression, expression emoji. It was. It was, was. Um, I, think it's, I think it's Warriors on five. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Toronto. But like you said, Kawhi being limped up, Siakam having the game of his life. I mean, you can't really depend on these factors to – you know, end up beating the, you know, potential three-peat NBA Finals champions. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know, they can get their – their role players can get some shots off. You saw Marcus all, you know, put in three quick threes in the first half. Uh, we saw Van Fleet in the last series really dime it up. But are we going to get enough from enough role players from the Raptors to make this a series? I say no. So – Oh Jesus! Had to turn the oven off there. You had the hot pockets in. Yeah, no, it was still unwarm from the ribs I had that were delicious. Um, I think it goes six. Like I said from the beginning, I think the Warriors are going to win tomorrow night, game two, tie it up one-one. They're going to go back to Oracle. Warriors are going to win both home games, and then I think Toronto is going to win game five. And the Warriors are going to win Game Six at home and send Oracle off in style. Oh, how fitting and poetic! That's what I think is going to happen. That's what you'd like to happen. That's cool. But, so, last question for you, and I know it's a it's a big one, and you're reading a lot of different stuff out there, and you got to kind of read the tea leaves. And sounds like he's probably going to come back, but not quite sure. Is Kevin Durant coming back? And if he does, when is he coming back? What game? Oh, okay. When the way that you, you framed that up, I thought you were going to say, like, is the Kevin Durant coming back to the Warriors no, no, at all? No. no. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, man, what are you? Yes, I've been reading a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I don't know. I think he just got back to playing with the team over the past 24 hours or doing on court activities. 
I think it becomes if he comes back before Game Four, it's because the Warriors are in big trouble. Yeah, I... if if the Warriors run off two in a row yep. and are up two one, yep. three one, no, yep. no, it's a wrap. Yep. Yeah. Do you think if the Warriors like won three straight games right now, or or let's say let's say they win the next two games and they go up two one, do you think there's a chance that they would just he's not going to come back because they don't need him. Yes. Even exactly even that. against him saying I want to play in the final. He wants to play in the finals, I guarantee. But they can talk to the coaches. Oh, they can talk to the training staff and always give it like a Steve Kerr decision. Yeah. Well, it, this is this is actually a, an interesting thing here because uh sure. He absolutely wants to play, I'll tell you that much because he knows that he's going to leave. And he knows that this could be – no, I, I'm dead serious about this. He knows he's going to leave, and he knows there's no guarantee he's going to play in another finals. And so he knows how special this is. And he has a chance to ride in on the white horse in games, you know, five and six and help him close it out kind of thing. So if – and the Warriors have a tendency as a franchise, especially with a guy like Kevin, Kevin Durant, to – be conservative in the sense that like we'll unwrap him when we need him. And you know, that's how they roll. And, well, and that's where you were going earlier. And so if they, if they go up like, and they're, they're comfortably up in the series, but it's still competitive. Do you think that has any kind of impact on the decision on both sides? Well, uh, what I was trying to say, you know what I'm saying? saying my, my, my apologies for jumping in. Uh, the reason they got Kevin Durant was so they don't lose finals. And if they're safe, I don't think they're going to pull Kevin Durant off of the bench. If it gets touchy, and say the Raptors say the Raptors win tomorrow, they go back to Oracle and they split Oracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's crisis. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, they got to play the games. That's why they play the games. So you think that Kevin Kevin Durant's opinion is just off the table? It's all about how the Warriors feel and if they're going to let him play, essentially. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a it's calf it's a calf strain, which is the same as a calf tear. Yeah. And when it's I know a hamstring, it's fucking real touchy. Like yeah, it's day to day. It hurts. Yeah. And you watch him, he's laboring, just walking around. Oh, dude, ginger, gingerly walking. And you have to play basketball in the finals. I know. Um, It's just, it's really interesting because, um, you know, I know he wants to play. But if he tweaks that thing, he's done. And I don't, so you heard the Rick Buecher report, I'm sure, that um, when it was announced that he was traveling to Toronto a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. you know, prior to game one, Rick Buecher reported that, and he's a Bay Area guy, he used to be on ESPN. I'm sure you remember Rick Buecher. He was actually a Warriors guy too, but now he's on like Sirius on one of the stations. And he's, he came out and said, wait, wait, how did, are you, you have Sirius? No, but I he's on like something Mad Dog on Sirius. That's his like latest gig. He's a Half Moon oh, okay. Bay guy, by the way. Half Moon Bay. Um, anyways, he's very connected, and he said, number one, um, Kevin Durant has put his place up for sale, 
and has purchased a place in New York, which everyone fucking, you know, jerked off about. And then number two, his interpretation of him traveling is it's a wrap. And everyone else was interpreting it as, ooh, there's a chance he might play. But his whole reasoning was um, he's not close. It's worse than everyone thinks. And um, by traveling, you know, because if it's, if it's, you know, he's not playing a game one and he travels with the team, it's got to be a he's close if he's going to play. It's got to be a it, he's close to potentially playing game two or, or else you wouldn't put him on a plane to fly to Toronto from the Bay area. Right. You're, you keep no, him at you home to play game three. You know what I mean? You heard, you heard Steve's, uh, Steve Kerr's response to that. All the trainers are with the team. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. Make, but the I mean, travel is not ideal though. If it's, no, if it's no, not for an athlete. That's no. the thing. That's the thing. So Rick Buecher's whole thing was, and, and this is based on what he apparently heard. It's not just his opinion was, because of all that, and we know that he wasn't close at the time prior to game one, that he's just going to travel to be with the team because he's done. So it's kind of interesting. No, Based no, on what great. I'm hearing it's now. It's a great point. It's a great point. It is a, it's a great point. point. I hadn't thought about that. I don't think it's accurate, though. I think based on what I've seen the last couple of days, again, we have more data since then. Um, I think he's going to be back by game five. And I don't think where the series is is going to impact anything. And I think it's going to be pretty close by then anyway. So it's going to be, you know, 2-2 or, you know, it's not going to be, you know, 3-1. Well, we'll find out, Mr. Herman. Yeah. So it's the finals. This is what we wait for. Yeah, this is what we wait for. Hey, man. I drink a ton of Joel Gott, and I'm so amped up from an adrenaline perspective that I don't feel it. And then the next day I feel it. I wish you luck because it's Sunday to Monday. I don't, you know, I don't want you being in too much trouble on a Monday. But it's twelve thirty where I'm located at in Austin, Texas. Simple ten thirty where you're located at in Napa, California. Why don't we end this one let's and see? Let's see what happens with these games. Tomorrow should be fun. Until next All time, right, my friend. Until, until next time, Mr. Herman. All right, thank love. you very much. Out later.